Welcome to this edition of the God is Your Life broadcast. This is Reverend Mark Slay inviting you to join me for the next few minutes as we get into the Word of God. Deuteronomy 30:20 tells us to love the Lord your God, obey His voice, and to hold tight to Him. For this is your life. I'll be back in a few minutes, but for now, let's listen as I teach from the Word. Thank you, Spirit. Hallelujah. Being filled with the Spirit to overflowing, possessing the strength to get through each day victoriously, to not wake up with a cloud on your head, dragging yourself, fighting, but to wake up with a spring in your step, to wake up knowing that you're more than able to meet any mountain, any challenge. Any circumstance that comes when it meets you that day, you'll be more than ready and more than able, for I will never fail you, I will never forsake you, as I've stated in my word. And you can live that way, not just have it once in a while, but you can stay filled and enjoy victory every single day, if you just will. If you'll yield to the Spirit, if you'll learn how to yield to the Spirit, victory can be yours. Days of gloom and sadness will be gone. They'll disappear. You'll look for them. They won't be anywhere around. You'll wonder, am I the same person? What's happened? And you'll know and recognize it is the Spirit in you and then upon you that provides you with the equipment and the power to fight back evil forces for they love to trample you under their feet. They love to keep you down and oppressed and to rehearse to you over and over and over how you will not succeed, how you will never be any different how things will never change for you how it will always be this way and they rehearse it over and over and over and over and keep saying it and keep saying it in hopes that you would believe them instead of my word but the spirit says walk by faith and not by sight learn the ways of the spirit learn the manners of the spirit and learn how to protect yourself in the spirit by staying filled with the spirit Hallelujah. Thank you for it, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Turn to 1 Corinthians 11th chapter, and I'm going to start there as I get into my lesson. I was very definitely impressed to head this direction. And this section of scripture will lead us right into what the Lord wants to say today. He has something he wants to say today to you and to me. 1 Corinthians the 11th chapter. Paul talks about women in the church and about wearing veils and so forth in the church and I, one day I'll teach on that I don't have time to teach on that but you know the question is asked do women have to wear veils over their head and the answer is no they do not as it may seem in the scriptures and some people misinterpret what Paul was saying there but I don't have time to teach on that maybe one day I will but uh, what he begins to talk about there is the Lord's Supper and he starts in the 17th verse and discusses the Lord's Supper and how their violation of walking in love and really 
not being filled with the Spirit the way they should have and acting it, how that violation has caused problems for them spiritually. He says, but in giving this instruction, I do not praise you because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. Now, how in the world could you leave church if worse than you came? Do you know what happens all the time? You say, how? Well, this is just one reason he talks about here. It's not the only reason you could leave church worse. And he's talking about spiritually here. He says, for in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions that exist among you, and in part I believe it, for there must also be factions among you in order that those who are approved can become evident among you. Factions is just people that are dissenters, the ones that are fighting and bickering with the pastor, and they believe that they know more than the pastor, and so they fight and they bicker and they cause divisions. And he says, that's one way, he says, that you're not any better off, that you're actually worse because of that. And he doesn't commend that kind of behavior. But then he goes into talking about later on about the taking, actual taking of the Lord's Supper and how they were exhibiting selfishness in it. And they were being selfish. And you can tell that a mark of not being filled with the Spirit is being selfish. I mean, when the flesh takes back over, selfishness is automatic. It works in automation. When you're not filled with the Spirit and stay filled with the Spirit, the flesh will take over and quite frankly, you will be selfish because the flesh is selfish. The flesh doesn't know anything about being born again. It doesn't have the nature of God in it. And it doesn't know anything but self. So he says, you take the Lord's Supper, he said, and you don't realize what you're doing. You're actually being selfish in doing so. And, and the way you're doing it is not in love. He said, so you consequently, you suffer as a result of it. And you know that anytime you don't walk in love, you will suffer as a result of it. Anytime that you're cause strife or divisions or those kinds of things he said then you're going to suffer as a result he said in the 27th verse for whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord now in this case the unworthy manner was being selfish did you get that that's how you do it you take the communion elements and you've been selfish you were just unkind perhaps and then you take the Lord's Supper. Now you could, you realize that without taking the Lord's Supper, and if you're unkind and not walking in love, you're going to suffer anyway. But he's just saying that you're making it worse because you're supposed to be doing a holy thing here and a righteous thing, and you're not doing it in the right manner, so you're going to suffer as a result of it. He says, but let a man examine himself, and so then let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For whoever eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. Now, what does he mean, judge the body rightly? Well, he's talking about how you treat the body, how you treat Christians. Now, let me explain something to you about this. One job of a pastor is to correct. That is his job. You can get used to it because that's his position. His job is to instruct correct you can read the scriptures all scriptures inspired by God and profitable for correction and for rebuke and so forth so it's the pastor's job to do that well very often people don't like to be corrected see and he's saying here that you're not judging the body rightly you're making a mistake on how you're acting and sometimes when the pastor corrects see people can become offended and when they become offended because of correction well then they wind up in this same position that he's talking about here they get out of love they don't walk in the light. They don't walk in the love because walking in love is walking in the light of God. So if you walk in love, you're going to walk in God himself and in the light. But then you just look at the next verse and he says, now what's the result of this? He says, talks about he who eats and drinks. He's verse 30 says, for this reason, because you don't judge the body rightly, 
For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. That means they die prematurely. But if we judge ourselves correctly or rightly, then we will not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord in order that we may not be condemned along with the world. And then he goes on to give instructions about walking in love and regarding the, the communion table. Notice he said, for this cause, for this cause, for this reason, many among you, look at that, talking to him now, remember he's writing to the church, many among you are weak and sick and a number die prematurely. I can tell you that if you do not walk in love towards your fellow brothers and sisters, don't walk in love towards the pastor, and people don't realize many times how they, they don't realize that if you don't honor the people of God, and including ministers of God, that if you try to dishonor them, all you've done is dishonored yourself, because this verse will catch up to you. It always does. And you'll, consequently, many are weak, sick, and a number sleep. Well, what's the answer to that? Well, the answer See, obviously, the reason that they're not walking in love and they're not acting the way they should is because they're Christians. In fact, the Corinthian church was a spirit-filled church. In other words, you just read the 12th chapter there, the very next chapter, he starts off, he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. And he goes on to instruct them about the proper usage in the 12th and 13th and particularly that 14th chapter about the proper usage of the gifts of the Spirit in their church services. And they, they had the gifts of the Spirit. They spoke with other tongues. You're talking about a tongue-talking church here, buddy. I mean, you talk about the Corinthian church. I mean, they came together and they all, they all just wanted to talk in tongues so much that Paul told them, listen, you need to do something else in your service besides just speaking other tongues. You need to instruct. There has to be prophecy, perhaps. If one gift of the Spirit is prophecy, I don't know how much you know about this or don't know about it but see the spirit of God can lead you and you can speak in other tongues and interpret it and then you could also go into prophecy where in other words you're speaking by the unction of the spirit in other words the spirit comes upon you and by the unction of the spirit you speak out what God wants you to in your known tongue in other words in English now speaking in other tongues is this inspiration of the spirit that's not your own tongue but right on the other hand, prophecy is just speaking under the unction of the Spirit. It is not foretelling the future necessarily. Some people think, oh, prophecy, all prophecy means telling the future. No, it does not. There could be in a prophecy that you're given, in other words, an unction of the Spirit, something you're speaking by the Holy Spirit. There could be what we call a word of wisdom, what the Bible calls a word of wisdom, about foretelling into the future. God preparing you for the future, giving you wisdom to let you know what's coming up in the future and in his plan and purposes and what things are coming down the pike, so to speak. And so in, a, in an inspired utterance in English, he might tell you something about the future. But that's a word of wisdom in the prophecy, which is just the inspired utterance. The simple gift of prophecy, the 14th chapter, tells you that is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. That's in the third verse. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification, exhortation, and comfort or consolation. See, when you speak by prophecy, you're speaking under the anointing or under the unction of the Spirit, and you're speaking out in English or your known tongue, you're speaking out edification, exhortation, and comfort. Notice the words that the Spirit of God said as I was speaking by prophecy just a few minutes ago. Do you notice the words of the Spirit? None of it was foretelling necessarily. It was exhortation to be filled with the Spirit. 
he's letting us know, of course, what God's plan is now and that he wants believers to be filled with the Spirit so they can fight the battles that they've got to fight. But most of it is just to exhort Christians, to comfort or console Christians, to edify Christians. Edify just means to build up or to teach them. See, so that's, there's not necessarily foretelling in prophecy. But see, he exhorts Christians in a certain way. That's the simple gift of prophecy. And he exhorting us today, he's exhorting us to be filled with the Spirit. Because you'll need it for the days ahead. Now, in, in the Gospel of Luke, the first chapter, you know there's the account of the birth of Jesus and those types of things. And you realize that us, under the New Testament, are living in a different dispensation. And that even though under the Old Covenant, they could be filled with the Spirit under the Old Covenant, but not the same way that you and I are filled with the Spirit under the New Covenant. Just to trust His cleansing blood, just simple I hope you enjoyed today's message. The title of the message is Being Filled with the Spirit Under the New Testament Versus the Old Testament. If you'd like a copy, you can look us up on the web at mrcstl.org or markslay.org. That's M-A-R-K-S-L-A-Y dot org. Or you can call our office at 314-965-8488. 314-965-8488. Until next time, this is Reverend Mark Slay reminding you that God is your life. To trust him.